Hank Stram said that pressure is what you feel when you don't know what to do. If you do know what to do, you got a lot of work, but it's not that stressful. You've got to be aware of the buyer's journey of your target audience and then what matters to them throughout. What are the things that matter to them about this problem? This will be a fun episode. Yeah. Less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor. Deep dive. Martin, I've been putting out fires this morning. What kind of fires you have already by this time of day? Oh, I know. This time of day, this time of year. Um, starting off 2024 with a bang. No, it's nothing crazy. We just, employees sick. Things are falling a little bit behind because of that. Um, so just jumping in, getting my hands dirty. And then, uh, yeah, just the holiday, uh, coming back from the holiday, it's like everything kind of ramps back up and everybody's ready to go. And so it's so, it's so funny. We talked about how in December, everybody's slow to do anything and all this stuff. And then especially when you're B2B and you serve clients, it's like the new year comes around, it's full force, boom. And right. just all hey, the stuff that we yeah. didn't do in December, we're trying to do on top of the January stuff. So just a lot of little things. I mean, I'm sure anybody who has Google My Business, um, which hopefully a lot of our listeners do, we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, there, I've just had so many account issues this week that I've had to try to somehow get in touch with Google, which is almost impossible, um, just for name changes and showing like, well, here's the sign on this building and all that kind of stuff. So anyways, fun times. Yeah. Dealing with Google My Business or uh, some QuickBooks issue or some other software issue that I know nothing about, um, Hank Stram said that pressure is what you feel when you don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. You know, if you do know what to do, you got a lot of work, but it's not that stressful. That that kind of issue that comes up, where well, you got to fix that. It's in Google My Business, and I go, what the hell's Google yeah, right. My Business? Right? <laughs> you go where and do what and. And you don't, once you figure out what to do, then do it, you know? Yeah. And I think that'll be a, a thing. I, I want to say something random Go here ahead. in passing, though. Uh, because I've had this conversation a couple of times in the last month. And I ask our business owners out there to th who, who founded their business to think back about how much money they actually put into their business. And I mean, not sweat equity and stuff like that, but reach in your pocket took out $10,000 and bought your first piece of equipment mm -hmm. or whatever it was, put a deposit down on an office and then look at how much money they made last year. Mm -hmm. And what I find, especially business have been around 10 years, I'll just throw out a number. It's really common to see that people started their business with a cash infusion of 10,000 or less dollars. And that last year they made 200,000 that year. Yeah. Right. So if you add up all the years of being in business to what your actual or initial investment was, mm -hmm. the return on investment is just for business. There isn't anything that comes close. Yeah. So it's a place to be. The drawback is what you just said. You just never get completely out of the problems, even though that's what we preach is build a business that can work without you. You can reduce it and reduce it and reduce it. But as long as you own your business, you're going to have those occasional things like your hand-picked successor uh, got a divorce 
and she moved away. Yeah. Okay. Now what? Right. Yeah. Owning a business is, is a successful business. I, I, I'm open to any kind of discussion on the subject, but I've thought about it for a long time. There's nothing that comes close to the return on your original investment. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, but compared to real estate, which always goes up and it may double in 12 years. Well, we're talking about what a 20 fold yeah. return every year for 20 years. But, but you always have those kind of unforeseen landmines that you step on and, and you, it's hard to ever get completely away. Yeah. So with that optimistic approach to the <laughs> new year, <laughs> life sucks and then you die, right? There you go. Of course, you don't well, feel that Well, speaking of ROI, we're talking about, um, I don't know what we're going to call this, go to market or marketing strategies for uh, pivoting contractors or uh, I don't know what we're going to call it, but this will be a fun episode. We've got some scenarios that are real scenarios, uh, real, real companies, real people that you're going to ask me questions about, Martin, or we're going to kind of talk about right. uh, in terms of how they should develop their marketing strategy and things they should focus on, things they shouldn't, how they should make their marketing decisions. Um, so it should be a fun one. Yeah. Yep. You've, Especially uh, if we uh, come up with the uh, working solutions. Right. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, maybe it's just theory that we're giving and, uh, they've got to go execute and maybe we're wrong. I don't know. Hopefully we're right. We've been around the block a few times. Um, all right, let's go through the first one, Martin. Why don't you set us up? Who are we talking about? Well, we're talking about a contracting company that principally does roofing and okay. does very commercial well. Or residential? In both, it's commercial. They'll do residential, but okay. they typically work as a subcontractor for a general, okay? They, uh, they do very well, but they're wanting to pivot away from being a subcontractor okay. into getting their own jobs and being basically a general contractor who uses subs in their own crews. And so that is a, they know their business very, very well, but it's how to collect customers, how to prospect, uh, how to go after jobs. And so they're looking at how do I market these services? I'll say one other thing. It's maybe a little extraneous, but they principally do roofing now and they want to get into all sorts of construction. They're very okay. capable people. Uh, I mean, remodeling, uh, okay. building structures, concrete work, uh, you know, all general, uh, all kinds of typical construction. Okay. My advice to him right at this point is to focus and mm -hmm. let's, Let's take one thing and get after it and get good at it. But their question to me is, uh, how do we go about, how do we do that? How do we get started? How do we market? So that's going to be my question to you. They okay, basically so. do zero marketing now. It's all comes to them by relationships with general contractors and occasionally something that they'll be the GC on because some general didn't want to do it and flipped it to them. So okay. how to get their own customer. So they're currently a sub that's doing roofing yeah. and for commercial roofing, they get all their jobs from GCs essentially. Yeah. And 90%. They do some other side jobs, like maybe some re commercial remodeling or some residential roofs, but their bread and butter is commercial roofing. And right. not just like, yeah, we manage the job, but we have a crew that we sub it out to. Uh, they have their own crew. 
they have their own crews, but they also will sub some. They will sub some. Know, for, okay. For capacity. Purposes. Are they trying to get out of subbing it out or are they trying to get uh, into that's only not, subbing it out? That's not a, no, that's not a, not a principal priority. Not a principal uh, priority. They have their crews that they want to work first and there are various reasons, but they have expandable capacity because they have good subs that they've already worked with as subs of a sub, right? Right. So even if they're the sub, they'll organize and arrange to have occasionally other subs do the actual work. Okay. And they want to get out of the subcontractor receiving their jobs from GCs right. because they're losing margin primarily? No. Well, uh, they do really well, uh, remarkably well. I'm a, I mean, okay. they bring over 20% to the bottom line. So okay. yeah, they want to make more money, but I think they want to control their future more. Uh, you don't want to have two or three generals that if you make them mad, then you lose the jobs, take their business. Yeah. You lose the jobs. I think they want to, uh, create their own destiny a little more. And are these, do you know if these GCs that they're getting jobs from are, um, actual GCs that are doing like full new construction or full remodel and they're just subbing yeah. out the roof or are they more like, no, they're a commercial roofing company that just subs out the job well i don't i don't know all their jobs they're not uh no they're more than a just a commercial roofing company they may do a complicated okay. high pitch huge church or something like that but no they're general general they're, they're real general contractors okay cool yeah so um honestly they're in the commercial space and so it's a lot of the same that they're already doing they've got these relationships with gcs that are feeding them work they have to have relationships. That's going to be the primary avenue and it's just not going to be with GCs. It's just a different target audience. And so it changes a lot of their go-to-market strategy and how they handle themselves. So I would say for the most part, you know, the GC cares primarily about, are you going to fit the budget? Are you going to be on time? Are you going to, you know, fit compliance and safety issues? Are you going to do good work? If they're really concerned about the job as a whole and looking good to the customer. They now need to start thinking about um, who their target audience is a little bit more. And their target audience is now going to be the property managers. It's going to be the building owners. It's going to be insurance agents, uh, real estate agents. Those are the people that they're going to start to have to talk to and build those relationships with. Uh, while still maintaining those GC relationships as well, right. but that's that's it's a new target audience, and so they've got to think about the buyer's journey of those people. I think, you know, from one, you've got to have yeah, really can good. You, can you? It's been a long time since we talked about the job, buyer's journey. Mm -hmm. What what is that? Yeah. So everyone, you and I, uh, companies, uh, anybody out there goes through a buyer's journey. And there's, you know, different names for the buyer, the stages of the buyer's journey, but we'll just use awareness, consideration, and decision. Uh, whenever we are buying something and we're in the awareness stage, we have a problem in front of us. Uh, there's a leak in my roof. There's, you know, I'm feeling sick. A uh, variety of problems are out there, or there's an opportunity in front of us. It doesn't have to necessarily be a problem. It could be an opportunity to do something. Um, I feel like we can grow or we're doing really, we're getting great reviews. We can do more business or we have extra capacity, right? These are opportunities. And 
we're just defining what the problem or the opportunity is. Is this really a leak or is this just condensation coming down or, you know, is this how big is a leak? Is it something that I need to repair? Or do I need to fix my whole roof? They're defining what the problem or the opportunity is. In the consideration stage, they are figuring out how they're going to fix it. They're defining the solution to the problem or the opportunity, right? With the how we've got all this extra capacity, maybe we should start a marketing campaign. Is that going to be the solution to getting in new work? Or maybe I need to call uh, just my uh, handyman to fix the leak. Or maybe I need to call an actual uh, repair service uh, for commercial roofing. So defining what that solution is. In the decision stage, you're deciding who you, what you're going to take action with, who you're going to take action with. Am I going to use this roofing company or this roofing company? That's where you're looking at maybe the reviews online. That's where you're going into a little bit more research, asking for specific references, asking for a referral from your other guy, uh, your, your buddy who owns a building and has had problems in the past with his roof, right? So you've got to be aware of the buyer's journey of your target audience and then what matters to them throughout. What are the things that matter to them about this problem? For the GC, the problem is, you know, whenever I'm you know, I'm passing you a, a lead or a, a, a project to bid as a sub, you know, the things that are priority for me are, is it going to be done well? Is it going to be done on time? Is it going to be done on budget? Those are the things that matter to me the most. And those are going to matter to other people as well. But for, you know, the insurance agent, it's going to be more about, are you going to answer the phone? Are you going to handle my client? well? Are you going to walk them through the process and educate them? Are you, you know, there's different things that matter to them throughout the buyer's journey and things that they're considering when they look at a solution. Um, so that's the buyer's journey in a nutshell. We'll kind of reference that probably throughout this, but I don't think that much is going to change, you know, this for a, for a marketing strategy and a go-to-market strategy for this, uh, sub who's wanting to basically become a GC of roofing, um, just a there's standalone uh, commercial roofer. It's not going to be Facebook ads or LinkedIn ads, Google ads, even. Um, that may, I mean, you need to have an online presence so that you look credible. Got to have a good website. Got to have clear messaging that speaks the language of your target audience. And then, really, you've got to have just a professional appearance and get out there and build relationships. For I'm assuming for, you know, most people that, mo most subs that have a really good relationship with the GC, um, it's because they talk that language, they, they, they've been in it for a long time, they know how to network in that space, and then kind of moving into a different sector is a little bit hard. It's not the same kind of conversation when you're talking to a GC as, or a project manager as when you're talking to a real estate agent or a property manager or a insurance agent. And so oftentimes the best way to go about this is to just find somebody who already has that network. Maybe it's hiring an insurance, an ex-insurance agent to network with insurance agents and get more uh, referrals for, you know, um, for jobs. And then maybe it's finding a ex-property manager. Maybe it's finding someone who's in a different, you know, adjacent industry uh, who is a salesperson and works directly with property managers. Um, and then obviously you can go and hire salespeople that are already in roofing, uh, that know how to 
network and bid and and find the opportunities that are out there in commercial roofing. Um, you know, you can go the door knocking route of after a storm or whatever, but if you're looking for more of the consistent stuff, it's going to be that relationship that's going to be the first call whenever, you know, there's an issue, there's a repair that needs to be done. Um, eventually, I would assume, you know, if you want to, I know a little bit about this because my sister uh, works for a national roofing company, but if you want to get into the big jobs, you know, we're talking about like Amazon warehouses and talking about Walmarts and targets, these companies have their own like construction division um, of Walmart where they send out bid lists and uh, opportunities to bid on. And so if you can get in the door there, um, that's going to be the opportunity to be really good at bidding. But again, it's going to be, it's about that relationship and figuring out what is Walmart looking for on this job specifically, what's their challenge, what's the number they want to come in at and finding that project manager who's going to be ready to be of service to that person 24 seven on this job. Um, so it, it's, I would say probably for this, there's some buttoning up probably on the appearance and the brand just to make sure it feels professional, looks professional. And then it's getting out there and building those relationships. Fastest way to do that is by hiring somebody. Yeah. And when you're saying getting out there in many respects, that's in person. It's yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can call, you can, you call, can call, you can the, email. Those things are great, but the, the face get on to face is going to be there. And you know, if you, if you really want to, um, build that credibility, if you've done a lot of jobs, you know, go and get photos of the before, the during, the after, have videos of that stuff, get it on your website, showcase what your capabilities are in types of materials you use, the types of uh, size of jobs you complete, the locations of jobs you complete. You know, like a big challenge for a lot of these bigger buildings that are out in the middle of nowhere is finding people that can actually show up to the job site um, and showcase, yeah, we did this rural job that was way out in the middle of nowhere and we completed it in three weeks or whatever it was. Wow. They, they if they can get out there, then they can definitely get to us. Um, and so show building those case studies essentially of what you've all done and just keep harping on those whenever you, you know, get them on your website. If you do post to social media, that's what you're posting is exactly what type of job you did, how you did it, materials you used, time it took, all that kind of stuff. If you want to put a budget range, put a budget range. You don't have to do that, but just showcase that you can do this. Um, cause that's, you know, if they want to, if they're going to add you to a bid list, they've got to feel confident that you can actually do the work and get referrals, uh, get testimonials, references, those kinds of things. So that's kind of the, the direction I would go if I was in this position. Uh, so, so what I'm, what I'm really hearing there, I mean, it is personal relationship. It is figuring out insurance agencies, property managers, um, that sort of people who, um, investment, yeah. property investment groups. Um, but you need to personally contact them, figure out how it's, how they do business and get on their list. And I think we've said it before, but I'll say it in passing. When you call people like that, uh, a lot of times it's a sales reluctance that people have. I don't like selling. Well, you're not selling. No. You're saying, hey, I have a service. You guys want another bid on your next job. And they're generally very happy to add a new bidder to their bidding list. Especially if it they, gives them more options. Qualified. They don't want 
nobody wants to just add somebody to their list. And that's where, you know, feel looking more professional, showcasing that you've done this type of work before, that you have the resources, the capabilities, the experience to get the job done right. If you if you're walking in the door with that and leading with that, and it's really easy for them to under to gather that information from you from your website or from the email that you sent over with the proposal and showcases the previous jobs, whatever it is, then they're going to be happy to add you to the bid list because they they need that at the end of the day, they need a qualified person on their bid list. Yeah. And that kind of goes to my next question. Uh, no matter what your target market is, no matter who you are, if you're in business, you got to have a web site. I mean, I don't think that's any shaky. Yeah, I think there are people who who don't, but um, they pretty well kicked off the list if if you're looking for somebody and they don't have a website. Yeah, it helps. It 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 helps tremendously. Yeah, it's where you can build your credibility. They can go look. Well, and and a lot of pictures of the before and afters. it, It really doesn't have to be that hard. Don't make the website more complicated than it needs to be, especially on the commercial side. Just get you know, a couple pages up there, showcase who you are and then show your work. That's all you're doing. It's a portfolio. Yeah. Just build a portfolio website and add to it every time you do a job. Cause as a, you may do just a few jobs a year as a commercial, uh, roofer and do really well, depending on the size of the jobs, but get every single one on your website. So yeah, that's kind of, I hope that's helpful for anybody that's in that position, but maybe for your for this uh, scenario, yeah. this real scenario, hopefully that's helpful. Well, the kind of important thing from it too is it is going to require that footwork. We're not just going to stick it on LinkedIn or do yeah. Facebook ads, which can work. I have clients who do very well using Facebook and Instagram, but not in this case. You're going to have to go out there and meet people and you're going to have to have a good website. Yeah. I, I think in in general for most business go to market marketing footwork's going to be required especially on the construction side like as you can do many different things but it, at a foundational level you've got to put in some footwork you got to get in person you got to get in front of people right. it's going to make a difference and then over time that won't you know that'll dwindle or that won't there'll be other things that bring in a lot of business too but it's it's kind of it's got to start there yeah Okay, so what's the, what's your next one? Um, I think a lot of these are going to have kind of the uh, same um, approach, but contractor in a small city that specialize or in a big city that specializes in bathrooms, okay, just bathrooms remodels, and okay. he is uh, new to the territory, um, knows his trade from where he was, but he moved from small small town okay. to big city, um, wants to specialize in that. It needs to start getting the word out. Okay. Mm. So there you go. Residential, I'm assuming, bathrooms. It's all residential. It's just bathrooms. Any traction in the new city yet? Yeah. He's 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 doing well. Uh he's been there about a year and he's got a good start. Uh we're just trying to see how to his I won't give his exact sales goals, but his sales and earning goals for next year's are a significant leap. It's not like okay. I want to grow 10%, right? Yeah. So the missing, uh, he has the capacity to do it. The missing uh, factor is is enough good qualified leads. Yeah. Well, what's good is that um, he's got a big target audience. Uh, bathrooms are in right. every home, right? Uh, but he's also very specific. 
And so that's going to allow, by niching down into just the bathrooms, you've got a lot of opportunities um, to be focused in your marketing strategy. So, I mean, there's there's several things you can do uh, in terms of footwork, like we just talked about, uh, getting around, going into, talking to existing builders, existing remodelers in the area that don't want to touch bathrooms, that'll give them referrals. Those are always great. Obviously, designers, architects um, that are doing remodels of homes that are you know subbing out the jobs uh, is also another good spot. Then you can get into real estate agents as they're showing homes in the bathroom. The master bath needs some work before we really move in here. Those are really good ones. Um, so that's kind of that footwork side. And we won't touch on that because we kind of just did for the 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 last one. Um, but let's say that you know you're doing that stuff. Again, on every single job, we want to be getting case studies, and these are really important. But the the big one that we didn't really talk about with the the you know commercial side, which still matters, but not as much, is the Google reviews. We mentioned Google My Business at the beginning of this, but you gotta hammer home reviews. And really, when you're starting out, get them from anybody. I mean. Obviously, it's better if it's an actual job that you just completed and you're getting a raving review that mentions you by name and specific project details and all that stuff. But just go get some reviews and that talk about your character, that talk about how well you communicate, that talk about how um, you know driven you are. And um, you know they can even mention projects that they saw. Like, I walked into my friend's bathroom and loved it. We're going to work with them very soon. Great company. Love this guy. Uh, really special company to work with, whatever it is, right? But go and get a hundred reviews. Like you can do it with friends, family, contacts, previous employers, coworkers, whatever it is. Go and get a bunch of reviews, and that's going to set you up for a lot of success. The next thing that I would say in terms of bathrooms, uh, or just remodeling in general and specializing, is do some very basic ads that are specific because you're so niched down into one thing. Get on Google ads and and make sure you're ranking for those keywords. Long-term, you want to get some SEO involved. And you can even do some during you know, the initial stages, but the ads is going to be the quickest leap um, that are specific to bathroom remodels. Um, so then, you're talking about pay-per-click, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Yeah, pay-per-click ads. So what are, what are some of the... If you're not doing that now, what are some of the must-haves that you're going to have to deal with? I mean, you're going to click. You got to go somewhere, right? Yeah. So you, I mean, I mean, I guess we haven't even mentioned, but and I'm not going to talk about this every time. But on the web, you have to have a good website. You're dealing with customers that are about to spend twenty, thirty, forty, hundred thousand dollars on a bathroom remodel, whatever it is. They need to feel like this is a legitimate company, and so if you're I mean, make sure you have a very good website with professional photos, not just iPhone photos of the type of jobs you want to win. If you just did a half bath and you're wanting to do master baths, don't put pictures of the half bath on the main picture of your homepage. You know, do the uh, people will identify with what they see on your website. If they if they see something that they want in their home on your website, and make sure that it's you doing it. By that you mean your your work, not yeah, your else. work, not just something you Google searched and then put on your website, right? So make sure that you go in to every job and you take fifty photos of the bathroom from all different types of angles and uh, zooming in, zooming out. 
So they know that this was your job. You can even watermark it if you want. And that watermark will allow you to just showcase that this is our work and you know, feel make people feel like it's it's great. But beside the point, let's say that you have all that down. Google reviews are great. And then Google ads, Google local service ads more specifically uh, will be very helpful. And that's more of a pay per lead service. So Google is going to put your five-star rating and Google guaranteed at the very top of the page with your phone number. And then people will call you and you only pay for the call. Uh, you don't pay any, if you don't get called by a lead, you don't, you don't pay. Um, and the, the calls range depending on what you're doing, 17 bucks a call, 30 bucks a call, somewhere in there, uh, depending on the market you're in, it could be higher, but, um, that's another way, great way to generate some leads over time though. Um, your referrals are going to be a great source for you. You probably want to do some SEO long-term so that you're ranking really high on Google and then you know, as you develop some jobs and some some work that you can show, then you can start going into each channel by channel, getting onto Instagram, getting onto Facebook, getting onto TikTok, um, getting onto YouTube, and showcasing all the work that you do and creating content that will help people in their buyer's journey. A lot of for you know when you're working on a bathroom remodel, your target audience is probably going to be typically female. I would imagine that wants to do the renovation. Um, I'm sure, you know, you're going to have that male side too, but you're going to think about the design. You're going to think about the, the features of the bathroom. That's all content that you want to be creating and getting into in front of your target audience. And they're spending time scrolling through LinkedIn. No, not LinkedIn. They're spending time scrolling through Facebook, uh, <laughs> Instagram, TikTok, maybe YouTube. Pinterest is a whole nother marketing strategy. You probably need to be in all these places eventually, but take it one by one, figure it out, do it, do some of it yourself. If you need to hire it out, hire it out. Uh, but make sure that it's really quality content that you're getting out there. Um, so anyways. Well, that was going to be one of my questions of uh, hiring it out or doing it. I, I think there are people out there who run their businesses that are, who are good at social media. Yeah. But most of them, most of them aren't. Yeah. And, uh, they, they're reluctant maybe to pay somebody to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you, you have to pay somebody to do it. Your duty will be to recognize whether it's any good. Yeah. I have a client in a completely different business that was running some Instagram, uh, ads. And when you looked at the ad, it was in script, you know what I mean? Cursive mm -hmm. writing. Yeah. And it was artistic. And you absolutely could not read a word on it unless you stopped. And in my case, put it on my readers and read it, mm -hmm. right? It was terrible. So if somebody knew how to do it, but the ad itself was terrible. And this, it, they're in a business that's really, really easy to say all you need to know in two words <laughs> with a question mark after it, right? Yeah. So well, yeah, I, the, the responsibility is mostly to recognize what's good mm -hmm. and insist on that. And then- my advice to most people is don't do it yourself. There's, if, if you got time to do it yourself, go drive over and meet somebody. Well, right. a lot of times you can do it yourself or you can have someone on your team do it. But what's helpful is working with someone to get the right, um, the assets is what we call it, but like the, the creative. So the photos, the designs, and then the actual copywriting, the words that you're using in your ad or in your posts, 
get those things really nailed down, have good messaging that speaks to your target audience, work with someone to get those assets created, and then also work with someone to find the right system in place. Uh, the, the way that we post, we post these days, we post this type of content, we have these different formats, and I can have someone on my team handle that. My admin can do that, right? They're not having to do any heavy lifting, um, but they can monitor it when someone does comment on it, comment on the post or um, sends a direct message, my admin can respond really quickly. Uh, that's not typically something you want to outsource that that often, the monitoring of your social posts and things like that. Right. Uh, but yeah, work with someone to get the right strategy and tactics in place and then figure out a way that you can maybe bring it in-house or find someone that's a freelancer. But I think you're going to have more control whenever um, you have it a, a little bit more close to home than outsourced entirely. Uh, but you, there are definitely great agencies out there that you can work with that will do all of it for you. Um, but I, I just, my preference would be get the strategy right, do some of it in-house. So when do you quit beating a dead horse? In other words, you've been marketing, you've been putting stuff out there, you know, no obvious return. Yeah. You so know, where, you think how, about how it do in you terms decide? Of you think in terms of channels, right? So um, even in terms of your relationships and that footwork that we talked about at the beginning uh, or just earlier, uh, each of those would be a channels. My, I've got my real estate agent channel. I've got my builder channel. I've got my insurance agent channel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Facebook is a channel. Instagram is a channel. TikTok is a channel. Email marketing is a channel. Uh, cold call is a channel. Door knocking is a channel. These are all different marketing channels that we're going and speaking to people inside of these channels. You got to figure out what's working, what's giving a return. Um, be careful because what are you measuring your return on? Um, you know, you can, it's hard because, you know, Google ads is a very, they've done a really good job of measuring ROI for the most people. Um, there's a whole debate as to how accurate it is and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, I can look at how much money I put into Google and how many people clicked on that ad. And so they give me a real metric and not all marketing channels are like that. There's no, you know, it's very difficult to quantify how much the relationship is that you're building today, this month, what the ROI of it is this month, this quarter, this year, but maybe in eight years, that relationship is the primary source of your best deals. Right. Right. And so you, you don't sit there and throw a number at it, you know? Uh, right away. It, it takes time. And so how much time do you give to all these channels? I think the, you know, the ones where you're spending a ton of money consistently month to month, you need to be, you need to scrutinize a lot more. You know, if, if you're spending money on Google ads, you know, within six months, you really need to be scrutinizing whether this is valuable or not, especially if you're seasonal, you need to worry about the times uh, that you're, you're running these and when you're getting a return and stuff like that. But that's when you need to really scrutinize when you're, you know, posting organically to something like you're just posting to Facebook without paying anything, give it more time. Cause you're not spending any money on it. Maybe it's taking you some time on your schedule or your admin schedule. Uh, that's why I don't really recommend outsourcing a lot of this cause you're paying a bunch of money, but you may not get a return right away. Um, it's better to outsource maybe just the foundation of it, the strategy, the creative, and then get the system in place to be able to run it yourselves so you can do it for a longer period of time. 
Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I would think about it. Um, it's in terms of when to give up. I mean, it's so specific, but let's just go to the bathroom remodeler. Um, if I'm posting, uh, content to social and I'm not getting any engagement, um, at all in social, no one's seeing it, no one's clicking on it, no one's liking it, no one's commenting, no one's referencing it in conversations, then you probably need to give up. But most of the time you're going to be posting to social and sometimes it's just a credibility thing. Someone found you and they talked to you, then they went and looked at your social and they saw it and that's what got them over the edge. So it's va still valuable to be posting there. Um, sometimes it's, oh, I was, I've been, I was following you on Instagram for two years and then we were ready. And so I called you or I, I searched you on Google and I clicked on your ad. And then you're saying that my, now I'm saying that my Google ad gave me this job, but really it's because you followed me on Instagram for two years that, yeah. uh, you know, so be careful with your attribution, but you should, I think the most important question you can ask your customers is how did you hear about us and be very, don't give like a radio select of like this channel, this channel, this channel, ask them the story, you know, get really hear that story. And if you're not hearing the channel mentioned in any stories from your customers about how they heard you, it's probably time to move on. Right. So, well, yeah, that's, what's the old Coca-Cola deal. We know we waste half our marketing budget. We just don't know which half. Yeah. You know, they're, but they're, they're branding. They're truly branding and they have the time and resources to sit and wait until that Coca-Cola sign off in the distance actually prompted you to buy a Coca-Cola. Yeah. So here's another no, one that, that I didn't, I didn't mention in terms of relationships that I've seen work for a, a window remodeler. Um, because he did it on our house. Where does he get almost all of his leads? If you had to guess. Somebody like Angie's list, which is not Angie's list anymore. No. Where does he get his leads? Home Depot. He made buddy oh, buddy really? with the guy at Home Depot, uh, and ha that guy has his business cards. He's best friends. They're like they're good friends. He takes them out for beers, all that kind of stuff. But he gets multiple jobs and like six, seven, so several jobs a week, just from the guy at Home Depot. And it's not who have bought. They buy their windows from Home Depot. Yeah, he just he does the installation. In he just does the installation. Yeah, and he and. Uh, yeah, he just installs windows and it's not like a formal agreement with Home Depot. It's literally right. just the guy at Home Depot. And so, you know, that's another way of, of going to market is, hey, people that are remodeling their bathroom want a new vanity or whatever it is. And so they're going to Home Depot or Lowe's and looking at it and talking to one of the people there. Why not get to know those people and say, hey, if you ever meet anybody that wants to put this kind of stuff in, let me know. And maybe it is a smaller job for you that you typically wouldn't do. But it's a great starting point of getting to know some people. Um, and yeah, maybe they do want it a vanity. And so you talk to them and then they realize, oh, we actually need like a lot more work done here. It would be really cool if we actually move the sink to this spot, knock out this wall. All of a sudden it becomes a real job for you. But um, yeah. Yeah. One of, the, one of the main takeaways from the whole thing is you got to be out there. Got to be out there. I, I mean... It, it does, it does work. Uh, I know instances where the social media just totally does it all, but most people kind of think they'd like to, uh, create a campaign and sit back and wait for the leads to roll in. 
and it, hey, it's that, possible. I've seen but it work. It, it, it can happen, yeah. uh, but it's just you've got to have a lot of pieces in place to make it happen so easily. So yeah, um, there's another one you wanted to go through. Well, I have I have two. Okay, One's cabinet manufacturer, and the other is in landscaping, uh, but they're really almost the same, right? Okay, so they're different industries. But it's a lot that it's kind of like the, the general subcontractor that we started with, who's getting most of his work from GCs. Both of these uh, companies, one's manufacturing, one's um, landscaping, get most of their work. From, they have a high customer concentration, right? Okay. They get most of their work from few customers. Okay. And that's always a precarious place to be. Uh, people know that without me telling them. If that customer decides to go away or mm -hmm. or does go away for reason beyond your control, it's really, a, really a, a dangerous place to be. Also, in passing, it greatly affects the value of your business if you sell it. Yeah. If you want to sell it, high customer concentration is one of the first thing uh, prospective buyers look at for the reason that we just said. It's dangerous. But so we've got people that are not really marketing. They're relying on um, a few customers who are really great customers. Mm -hmm. So we're both wanting to step out and expand our reach without losing the main customers. Okay, so let's focus a lot on the, the same subject. Let's focus on the landscaper. So what what uh, what type of landscaping is it? Residential? Is it commercial? It's it's both. They do a lot of maintenance work. For Where's their concentration? Maintenance work. Maintenance work. Meaning mowing and and planting flower beds and stuff for a big company. Uh, okay, it's it's great work. Great work. Okay, so but the commercial again, it's like commercial any, maintenance. It's commercial commercial maintenance. Okay, they want to get into more residential and commercial, but there are more opportunities residential, um, landscaping, planting. Creating oh, okay, so stakes. like installation rather than maintenance. Correct. They don't want to do any residential maintenance. No residential maintenance, but they have commercial maintenance. They do have commercial, and that's their biggest concentration right now. It's where they right. make all their money. But it's a, it's a big deal to have large crews go to a large place and do a job compared to you're dealing with the kids down the street who's mowing lawns for. $30. Yeah. Yeah. You're not competing with the same people. Okay. So why not go and just get more commercial maintenance is my well, question. Well, they might be able. Like if that's what you're good. already set up for, why not just like grow into that? Is the competition too much? Is it, you don't have capacity? I don't know. We're going to have to explore that. They haven't expressed a great desire in it. They want to get into uh, more of the residential landscaping as opposed to maintenance because there's more margin in it i oh yeah more margin and uh and you're and well it goes along with that less com competition okay well too. i'm sure that i mean there's probably a reason i don't necessarily know everything um and there's going to be issues that we won't i mean we're talking about marketing but there's good you got to be able to deliver the way you market so I don't know what the challenges are going to be on the production side in terms of um, taking commercial maintenance crews and then using them for residential installation. But let's say that that's not an issue and we're just, we've, we can deliver. 
Um, again, different target audiences, very, very different um, target audiences and very different buyer's journeys. Um, I would imagine most installation, there are a lot of installations happening on new construction residential. So home builders are um, probably good contacts to have, but I would also assume if it's like my house, uh, my landscaping is not adding a ton of value to my property. And so I'm not, when I'm building a home, it's something I think about, but it's not where I spend the most money. Um, maybe so. I mean, people have preferences, people have money to spend. So yeah, there, there are people who certainly do, Yeah, but it's, it's the same kind of, of thing that we've been talking about. They have to have a good website that shows their abilities, capabilities, uh, social yeah. proof, testimonials. But they're going to have to go out and meet people. If they want to work with new builders, they're mm -hmm. going to have to go meet them and establish that uh, relationship. Well, I think the biggest and, thing that you've got to think about is that the you've got to have a different, you know, if you're going from commercial to residential as a landscaper, you have a very different personnel that's going to be not not in terms of doing the job in terms of selling the job like working with a commercial person and trying to get them to do the work it's more about price it's more about you know just getting it done and and especially maintenance versus installation maintenance okay we're putting in the flowers in this spot because it's already there and we're you know putting in new mulch we're mowing the grass and edging we do it for this much when you're talking about installation with a residential homeowner or builder you're talking about design process. You're talking about mm -hmm. preferences, listening really well, reading between the lines. It's just a completely different sales process. So if you make sure you have that personnel to be able to go and do that and that you're building some of that into how you, you know, that's why the margins there is because it takes more attention to detail and time. And that's usually going to be your competitive advantage and differentiator from people is that you work with the homeowners so well or the builders so well and getting the, the, uh, landscaping plans and designs created and crafted to look beautiful, that you use the right plants, that they don't die in, you know, six months after installation, um, that you've got, you know, uh, irrigation systems planned to make sure that they have enough water, all those kinds of things. Um, and so hopefully they have the personnel to do that. And then that's the stuff that you've got to focus on. Um, you're not focusing on, hey, we'll come this many times a week and make sure that the the lawn's mowed or the you know property is maintained. But no, hey, we're going to sit down with you and map this out. This is what a, a final design looks like. Here's roughly how much it costs. Um, yeah, it's just a different buyer's journey. And so making sure you have the right people that can service customers in that way. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to do the same things that we talked about on the, the bathroom remodelers in terms of ads. Uh, the only issue is on your ads, you're probably going to get people that are just looking for their lawn to be mowed. So there's probably going to be some unqualified uh, leads coming your way. So um, those relationships are going to be super helpful once you do get a few jobs, getting referrals. You may even look at doing some um, you know, job site visits on this one where you're going around new construction homes uh, in wealthier neighborhoods, not like the cookie cutter 
home neighborhoods, but the the job, oh, there's a new custom build going on. Going to the job site, talking to the builder, if the home owners, you know, dropping in, trying to get in front of them, talk about their landscaping. Um, those are probably some of the some of the best opportunities there. Um, and then once you develop a good relationship with a custom home builder, you can probably feed yourself pretty well, I would imagine. The only issue that you you just got to make sure that there's enough budget for landscaping on the job because custom homes are notorious for going over budget. And I would imagine one of the first things they're going to cut is the landscaping before they cut the plumbing or the electric or the <laughs> drywall. Yeah, because it's not already done at the time they run out of money. Exactly, because so. it's the last thing on. You're not going to do landscaping until the job's done. So that's the only thing you got to worry about. Well, kind of wrapping up on on this idea because first of all, you you have to understand who your target market is, who you're after, what they care about. Uh, their buyer's journey, how do they become aware? How do they make the decision? You know, educate themselves on what to do and make the decision. And you want to be the one filling in that gap. But the thing I'm kind of really taken away from all from the examples we've used is there is an element of you got to talk to people. I mean, in there, there are industries where that's not true, but in, in the industry's construction You've got to talk to people. You have to build a relationship. You have to reach out. Uh, and then you back that up with a website that touts all your, uh, the feature benefits and features of working with you. You know, what makes you unique, uh, have the job pictures in there so that you can see the type of work you do. You don't have to use a lot of text picture worth a thousand words, video worth a million words. Right. Uh, and then you can start rolling it into appropriate social media and other types of ad campaigns to roll it out. But yeah, I think the one, if it's not being done, I still think it's the personal, you, you got to talk to the designers. You got to talk to the, uh, uh, homeowners associations. You've got to talk to the, uh, general, uh, well, not the general contractor. You can even talk to suppliers. I have one guy who got a lot of his jobs because he knew the Sherman Williams paint, Sherwin Williams paint, store manager yep and he just knew everything that was going on right yep absolutely well it's a flywheel do um you right. know, a lot of people think of it like a funnel um where it's you know oh well we get a lead and then they become an opportunity and then we sell them to become a customer and that goes down the funnel uh really it's like a flywheel where you know you, you've it, it starts with a connection um, maybe that's through any one of the number of channels that we listed in this episode, but it starts with a connection. Then you have from that connection, they see your reputation and your credibility through your website, through the conversation they have with you and your sales team. But you establish that authority, that credibility and that reputation. Uh, and then you go and you execute on the job for them. You win the job and you do a great job at it. From there, you get a referral, which is the connection. And then it keeps going, right? And it just goes in a circle and a circle and the flywheel grows. In that way, um, for a, a contractor, make sure that you start with that execution, the delivery. Make sure it's solid. Get it in a good spot. If you can get it in a good spot, any number of the ways that we've talked about the connection, uh, you can get the jobs if you do really good work. 
from there, you can build out your systems, your website, your case studies, your photos of work and the portfolio like we talked about. That's going to help you with your reputation, credibility, right? Content's going to help you with your authority. Salespeople on your team that are well-educated and well-connected are going to help you with that reputation and authority as well. Build out that and the referral side of making sure we have a for referral program. Then from there, start your connections. If you can, And then you can get that flywheel spinning. And once it's spinning, then you can create more flywheels because you'll be creating a lot of cash and a lot of opportunities. You'll be able to invest in new channels, new services, new markets, but make sure that flywheel is spinning. You know, I, I just have to say one thing specifically in passing, but when I had a contracting company back in the middle eighties, we put in irrigation systems. Yeah. We did commercial and we did a lot of residentials. We had, I don't know how many thousands we had put in, but we took with us a referral sheet. This is before cell phones. Yeah. Matter of fact, pagers, pagers were brand new. <laughs> we took a referral uh, sheet with us uh, that was like an old label printer, three across and five yeah. down or whatever it was. And we're like 10 pages. I don't know. There were 150 names and addresses and phone numbers. And we said, here, these are, all, these are not all our customers, but call any, anybody on this list has given you the permission to call them. Yeah. I mean, you give them 150 names of people who've, and it just, I mean, our credibility, they might not buy from us for some reason, but it wasn't because of lack of credibility. So I've got people out giving bids now and we're starting to put on the bid sheet references, some professional references, but others customers. Mm. And we're up to five or 10. I don't think you have to have 300. If you have 300, great. But you literally put it on there. You've cleared it with them. People can call. That's really powerful because they just call them up. Yeah. And a lot of times if they're enough, they don't have to call them up. Yeah. No, that's a, that's, that's real credibility, credibility and reputation right there. Right. Um, really powerful. So, well, thanks for sharing the scenarios. Um, I'm going to go put out some more fires like I did this morning. <laughs> Uh, well, I got a couple of texts while I'm sitting here that uh, tell me I've got a fire to put out. There you go. So there you go. Yeah. Never, never over. But it's it's also why we like work, right? Yeah. yeah Don't like it, it all, but you got you to have something meaningful to do. Yep. And challenging. Yeah. Always challenging. Right. So awesome. Well, thanks, Martin. Uh, hopefully this is helpful to people. Um, yeah. If you're in any of these scenarios and you want to talk, about your strategy, about ways that you can improve, you can reach out to Martin or myself in the show notes, or you can listen to any of the number of episodes. We're approaching 200 here on the Cashflow Contractor. Subscribe, follow us on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We're in all the channels. Um, subscribe to our newsletter in the show notes as well, where you can get this delivered to your inbox every week so you don't forget to listen. Um, and then I think our biggest channel that we're really trying to grow is YouTube. So if you watch us, thank you for watching. Give us a like on our episode. Shoot us a comment. If you're not watching on YouTube, go and subscribe to us. Go and see our videos. All of our clips from the episodes, the snippets are all on YouTube as well. All right, Martin, catch you soon. Catch you later, sir. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.